I told you guys that I came back from six weeks off this last week. So this is my second week back. And it was a great six weeks. I told you that I got to date my wife for those six weeks. And, and uh, uh, it was really fun to just go on a ton of dates with her. I challenged you guys to, when you come back, to date your spouse. You need to, we need to learn how to pursue our spouses again and, and to date our spouses. In fact, I was thinking what I'd like to do I used to do this with our college students. We called it First Date February. I'd like to do a, a, a one month. We're going to look at maybe October, maybe November, where you're going to, we're going to reimburse you for a dessert you go on with your spouse, okay? Not a dinner. We can't afford that. We might not even be for dessert. I haven't talked to Beth about this yet. She might say, Bill, we can't do that. Um, but I'd love to do that just to get you guys to date because we, just, we need to be pursuing our spouses, all right? One other thing that happened on that six weeks that I did not tell you about, the highlight of the whole six weeks was this, was this little girl being born. This is, this is Allie Hope. This is our third grandchild. Oh my gosh, you guys. Jackie got to go, into the, go to the hospital and, uh, and go into the room and, and got to watch her being born. She said it was surreal to watch her daughter uh, giving birth to her granddaughter. And, and so she got to do that. I flashed my pastor's card again like I did with Jack and his kid. I got to, I got to, I went to the hospital and I knew that there was only one, you can only have one visitor in the room. So I said, hey, I'm the pastor for Ella Martinez and Justice Martinez. And I, you know, because the pastors talk that way. So, you know, and so I'd like to go up into the room and they said, okay. And they gave me the reverend sticker. So, you know, so I got this reverend sticker and I go up into the room and I'm up there and I'm crying and I'm holding the baby. I'm holding little Allie and I'm crying as I'm hugging Ella. After a while, the nurse finally says, okay, pastor, uh, it's time to go. And as I'm walking out, she goes, well done, dad. That was really creative. I said, I did not lie. I am her pastor, kind of. She's in Spokane now, but she watches online. So, so I did not lie, but I certainly got to see them in the hospital. It's the best fringe benefit I have in my job is getting to get in there and see the, see the kids and you're not allowed to. While I was um, on this six-week time, I, I, a, a sermon series was born, and it was about faith, and, 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 I, and I thought, let's do a series called Unfiltered Faith. I had a ton of conversations with people that were struggling in their faith, that, had, that were disillusioned in their faith, were disappointed in themselves in their faith, disappointed with other Christians in, the, in their faith. They had questions about Scripture. They had questions about prayer. They, they were struggling with some apathy in their faith. As we talked through that, I was having real conversations with them, and I said, why don't we have a real conversation in here around faith? What I shared last week is that one of the disappointing pieces to all of that, or not disappointing, but just one of the more sobering pieces to all that, was how, how distant people felt as they talked about their faith, how distant they felt from God, and how they felt like they were disappointing God because they weren't living out a perfect faith. And that's what I shared last week, that Man, I don't think there's a such thing as a perfect faith. We all carry imperfect faith into here. And in, with that imperfect faith comes a perfect God that is pouring his love and his care and his grace onto us. And so the hope was not that at the end of these six weeks we'd all come up with this perfect faith. Is that in our imperfect faith we would recognize a God that is pouring out grace and love on us in this room. That you'd feel it when you walk in. That you can come in with whatever doubt or question that you'd have. And that we can dig through uh, our, the issues of faith. And maybe we can strengthen it in some ways. But even if we can't and it still remains imperfect, 
that we can recognize a perfect God in the midst of it. So let's spend some time in, in that. Let's pray together, and then we'll dig into that. And, and actually, just one more very personal prayer request in this. My good friends, the Bowdies are heading off to, uh, to Europe for four months. They're doing a big old family European adventure. Um, and I know that this is a big step for them, and it's a, it's, it, but they, they're leaving today, and they thought the last thing they want to do is come to church before they, they head off. So, um, so let's be, let, I'm going to pray for them too. Father, we are so thankful for... Um, for being here today and the opportunity that we have to dig further into who you are and that we can sit in your grace and we can sit in your love and God help us no matter where we are at in our faith to, to do that, that we would recognize your presence and that we would find a real peace in that even for those in this room that feel as distant as maybe they've ever felt from you or maybe they've never even felt close to you ever. I pray that your mercy and your love and your grace would be so filling this room that we would connect to you. And, 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 and Lord, I do pray for my friends, for Ross and Allie and, and for Asher and Charlie and the, and the adventure that they're going to go on. Bless that adventure. That May that be a, a, an adventure for a lifetime in their lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, here's what we're going to do, you guys. There's a reason why these two things are up here. I'm going to give you two different perspectives. If you guys are over there, you'll have to look at it on the screen, but um, it, hopefully you guys can see it. I want to give you two different perspectives today. I want to give you a perspective that is weathered and a perspective that is seasoned. Okay, so that's, a, that's what we're going to go through. And maybe that might help us to draw a little closer as we, as we, as we look at these two different perspectives. The first one I want to talk about is weathered. There's a, there's a, the, the definition of weather is altered in color, texture, composition, or form by such exposure or by artificial means producing a similar effect. Altered in color, texture, or composition. That's weathered. And this, this pan is a weathered pan, all right? Let me tell you the history of this pan. I bought it about a year ago. It's a lay crusade. It's shi- it was shiny red. It looked like this. It looked like that. It was shiny red pan. It was, it was just perfect. I, I went and got it out of one of those way overpriced stores and, and brought it home and gave it to Jackie. And I'm just going, I can't believe how much we spend on pans. Pans. And you spend that. I mean, it was really expensive. Now, she could have easily thrown it back to me and said, uh, I can't believe how much you spend on a putter. And I can't believe how much you spend on a driver. And I can't believe how much you spend on golf shoes and golf gloves and, 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 and tea times. And all. I mean, I'm like, hey, that's different. <laughs> you know? It's expensive. And it was shiny and it was new. And Jackie was cooking on it for like six months. And, but as it turns out, even Le Creuset in 1,500 degrees doesn't do very well. When the fire hit the home, it hit the pan. And uh, we found it in the rubble. We were looking through it and I found that pan in the rubble. And so I'm going, oh man, I don't think that that's, I don't think we could do much with that. And so then, so I grabbed it and I, and I, and I first, I called Le Creuset and said, hey, can you give us a, a you know, a refund? <laughs> you know? And he said, as it turns out, I guess a fire does not, is not part of the normal cooking that would be covered under warranty. So so, so it's just sitting there in our, in, our, in our driveway. Well, then the snow hit it, and it piled up with snow, and then, it, then, and then the snow melted, and now it's just a big puddle of water inside of it. Then I started finding coins in the rubble, and I'd put those in the water to soak it, to, to see if, there's, if they're worth anything, and so they were in there too. And then it dried up, and the sun hit it for the next few months, 
And so before the debris removal happened, I grabbed it off the, off the driveway, and I, and I was looking at it. I'm going, do you, what do you do with it? You probably just chuck it. It's, I don't know if it's worth anything anymore. Well, you guys, I, I was thinking about that. I'm going, come on, didn't I just describe a lot of our faith? I, I had to describe some of our journey. That there was a day that it was shiny. There was a day that you that you're just going, oh my gosh, I just love everything about, I'm praying and I can't wait to pray to God or I can't wait to open up this book and read more about who God is. You know, I I can't wait to serve him. I can't wait to be generous with my life. I'm feeling his presence where whatever I'm doing. And and so there was something shiny about our faith. (laughs) But then maybe something big happens or maybe it wasn't big, it's just over time. Maybe something struck that began a little bit of a weathering process in your faith. For some of you, it is something big. It was a loss of a loved one, or it was a fire that took a lot of your memories, or whatever it is that contributed to the beginning of a weathered faith. For some of you, maybe it was a, it was a prayer that wasn't answered. You know, you were, you were praying to God, you're saying, I just... I just want to find love. I don't want to be alone. And, and, and it was just one broken relationship after another and you still find yourself alone. And, and, and it starts to weather your faith. For some of you, it's a, it's a you know, it can be a, 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 a family or a, no, no, a, a divorce or, or you're, you're, you're struggling with your relationship and you're saying, God, will you, will you meet me and my wife or husband in, in our relationship? And heal some of the brokenness, but you found that that wasn't healed, and it ended in divorce, and that weathered your faith. For some of you, it's just, I want some information about future, and you're just dying to go, I just don't know what I'm going to do next, and give me direction, but there was no direction. I was praying that you'd have a baby, and, and you couldn't. There's all kinds of things that can lead to a weathered faith. Maybe for some of you, it's disillusionment in the church. And you came to church because you started to feel a weathered faith, but then the church let you down. Or the person up in front let you down. You guys, I know, I know how easy it is for someone like me to let you down. In fact, I can't tell you how many times I've prayed over the 30 years of doing vocational ministry. Just God, help people to continue to walk closer to Jesus, sometimes despite me. I had one student in our college ministry back when, when the annex was really rolling and there was tons of students coming. I had one student that as a freshman said, I walked right by him and I didn't say hi to him. And he said, and I held that, he held that against me for the next three years. Now, now you know, there's some things you can and can't do and fix or whatever, but, the, but still, it's anything can erode and weather your faith. Maybe it's just that you start reading this book and you start going, wait a minute, I don't like some of the stuff that's in it. And that can weather your faith. Or maybe it's just things that you do. And you go, I'm, I'm, I keep making the same mistake over and over again. And each time I do, I'm feeling further and further from God. And I'm feeling further and further away from a faith that I, I want to have. 
And so you're feeling weathered from the decisions that you're making. And, and things like love and grace and forgiveness, they just, they don't even, they don't sink in at all because you're, we- you're feeling weathered. Some of you have just grown tired and apathy has set in and you're just going, I don't know why, but I can't rev up that engine again to step into my faith. That's a weathered faith. It's a faith that has, has its composition and its texture and its color has changed. And I know that some of you have either gone through it or maybe are going through it right now. Or you know somebody that's going through that. That's a weathered faith. And, and what I, need to t- I want to tell you a couple of things in that. You're not alone. You're not alone. There's no way I could describe what I just described if I hadn't felt it myself. I know what that feels like. I see you in that. Not with any condemnation or judgment, but just with care to say, yeah, I know that what that weathered faith feels like. You're not alone. See, that's super important because, because when you're alone in a weathered faith, you take this and you just go, I just want to throw it away. There's nowhere I can go. But when there's people around you that recognize it, without anything but love and care for you, then maybe it's a little bit easier to hold on to it and hang on to it, as desperate as it might feel. You know, the word in the Bible is perseverance. In Greek, that word is upomeno, and it literally means hang in there. When you see those passages of perseverance, it's in a lot of ways, God's going, hang in there. I know I know that you're ready to throw it down, but hang in there. So you need to know that you're not alone in it. And you need to know that God is walking with you in it and God sees you in it. That's super important that God sees you in it because, again, we want to hide this from the Lord. He's going, come on, I see it. I know it. And I walk with you in it. That's what's so beautiful about this book. I shared this last week too. This is not a propaganda book. It's not a book that just talks about God in all the great light and I'm going to try to sell God to you by, by reading all the great things about him. This, the Bible is filled with, with both God's character and hum, our human interaction with God's character that can sometimes be really good and sometimes be really hard. And we love that about the Bible because it meets us sometimes with great encouragement and other times in lament and saying, yeah, I'm with you in the pain. I mean, when you look at, you, you look at the passages of Scripture, man, you guys, look at Psalm 69. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm deep in, I am in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. And that, you guys, is an honest lament of a weathered faith. Do you see how God didn't eliminate that from his word? Saying, I see you. Listen to what David says in Psalm 40. I was so swamped by guilt, I couldn't see my way clear. More guilt in my heart than hair on my head. So heavy the guilt that my heart gave out. That's a weathered faith around our guilt. 
that erodes our faith. He's, he cannot see grace and love in that. And then the really popular Psalm 13, oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? How long must I struggle with anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? How long will my enemy have the upper hand? You guys, that's weathered that comes from time. The composition's changing and the texture is changing and the color is changing in his face. That's a weathered faith. Now, every part of me as a pastor wants to save you from that. But right now, for any of you that are in the heart of that, I just want to take a moment this morning. And I want you to breathe in and breathe out. Just for a second. And feel, if you can, the love of Jesus that is meeting you. You might not have felt that for a long time. It might have been months, it might have been years, but breathe in and out because he is closer than your breath. And it meets us right in the middle of a weathered faith. Feel that. Just take a deep breath in and let it out and know God is right there walking with you in it. Now, I want to give you a perspective that might help us in this. And the perspective moves towards a seasoned faith. See, see Paul talks about this in Romans. He says this in Romans. He says, and this is, this is right in the middle. Uh, you know, and, he, and, and well, actually, no, this one's actually in 2 Corinthians, which is really cool because Corinthians was a church that was all messed up. And there was a bunch of people that were coming that were all messed up, just like we all are. It was a messy faith. And he says this in the midst of that. He says, in hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, and mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with pure heart, clean head, steady hand, in gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when we're God showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, and when we're praised and when we're blamed, slandered and honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten with an inch of our lives, but refusing to die, immersed in tears, yet always filled with deep joy, living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing, having it all. You guys, Paul just described a weathered faith but then he moves with it. Listen, I mean, it, this is a weather phrase. Hard times, tough times, bad times, when we're beaten, jailed, mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, when we're blamed, slandered, distrusted, ignored, beaten with an inch of our lives, immersed in tears, living on handouts, having nothing. Those are all elements of a weathered faith. And he sees that. And he knows that. But then he, he, he brings something else into it. He, he, he brings another piece to it. He says, with pure heart and clear head and steady hands and gentleness and holiness and honest love. And we're telling the truth. And when God's showing his power in the middle of all that stuff, when God's showing his power, honored, true to our word, uh, recognized by God, terrifically alive, refusing to die, always filled with deep, deep joy, enriching many and having it all. How can he talk about both? Because he knows that while we have a potential for a weathered faith that gradually goes to the point where we want to just check it, he's also recognizing what we would call a seasoned faith. One where God, we recognize that the same circumstances, 
same circumstance that lead to a weather faith can also lead to a seasoned faith. Now, I've had to learn a lot about what seasoning is. I'm not going to come up here and say, I've known this for a really long time. I haven't. I've known it for about a week. All I've known about what a seasoned pan is, is Jackie coming to me all the time whenever I wash one of her cast iron skillets. Be careful with that. That's seasoned. Don't put it in the dishwasher. That's seasoned. And I'm like, okay, so it's seasoned. And and she starts to to explain to me that, a seasoned pan is one that's been cooked on and then you cook on it again and you cook on it again and you gradually build up on that pan. And he, she says over time that buildup allows the, the food to cook better, cook, cook, it cooks better and with more flavor because the pan is seasoned. And, and I'm going, okay, that just sounds to me like a dirty pan. But, but she's saying, no, it's seasoned. Well, I went online and I looked in, I was watching some YouTube videos and I found this other lady that also explains what Jackie's explaining of a seasoned pan. Watch this. If you put a whisper thin layer of fat in the pan and get it really hot, like burn it, you'll create a bunch of reactive molecules that will interact with carbon-carbon double bonds in the fat, triggering a chain reaction that bonds the fat molecules together and the pan creating a solid material called a polymer. This thin layer, or really many of these thin layers bonded to each other and interspersed with carbonized stuff from the oil, is what's known as seasoning. Sticky brown spots mean that the oil hasn't polymerized or carbonized properly. You'll need thinner layers, higher heat, more time, or all three. So take your time seasoning and let those thin layers build up. Once you perfect that seasoning though, it's gonna be super tough because it's a polymer, the same kind of structure plastics are made of. And what makes plastics so hard to destroy? The carbon-carbon bonds that hold these polymers together are really strong. What's more, the specific kind of polymer created by oil in a reactive pan is particularly tough because its molecules are cross-linked. They're bonded together in a tight network. This is the same polymer structure that super resilient plastics like tires are made of. This resilience means that cast iron can take a lot of abuse. Feel free to really go at a well-seasoned pan. Basic brushing and scraping aren't really gonna hurt that tough polymer. And if some overzealous scouring does do a little damage, that's okay. As you continue to cook with your pan, you'll keep laying down new layers of seasoning, patching things right up. See, see, you guys learned a little bit about seasoning today. I mean, you didn't learn nothing else. What are you talking about? I don't know, but I know that my pan is seasoned. The, 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 there's so much that I can take from that, you guys. Think about it. So you're talking about how it, sometimes to be able to get those layers, you need to add, you, you have to have the layer, you have to have time, and you have to have some extra heat. They might even feel like you're burning it. But you just go, it's extra heat and time and those layers that can add to it all. So you're saying that you can scrape at it and, 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 and keep going at it, and it's, it's all right. It's not going to affect it because it's been strengthened. And the part that I love that she talked about is how each layer works on each other, and it only gets stronger. That's what we're talking about with a seasoned faith. See, in a seasoned faith, we take all the things that's been weathering our faith, and it's a little different perspective. It's saying every single one of them is another layer that lands on top of each other. And with each layer that comes, it's getting stronger. And while you might attribute it to a weathered faith, at the same time, that same thing is landing on that pan 
and it's getting stronger and stronger. And each piece, each one, whether it's really, really great stuff or heart-wrenching stuff, it still is one layer on top of the other that ultimately leads to something that is stronger. See, I, I think about that and I think about the, the time that it might take. I, I think about the, the scraping that you can do to, to go, I don't get this. I think about the extra heat that it might take. But that each one of the things that happens, it just keeps landing on each other and building something up. I think about Peter in this situation. Yeah, see, when I look back at the, at, at, at the times in first century AD and Jesus time, I think about Peter and I think, man, you talk about a guy that went through weathering and seasoning. I think about him, let's, let's put him on Saturday after Jesus had died on the cross before he had risen. Peter's looking back and he's recognizing that, that just the week before Jesus had told him that you're going to deny me. And he says, I would never deny you. And then as Jesus was going through the trial, people were coming up to Peter and saying, so, so do you know this guy? And Peter said, no. And he said, did it three different times. And then the cock crowed. And the next thing you know, he denied him three times, just like Jesus had told him. And, and Peter on that Saturday, feeling that massive, massive disappointment in himself. And you know, that's gotta be something that's weathering his faith. And then Jesus dies on the cross. Now, we all know that Jesus rose from the grave, but, but Peter didn't know that. He just, at that point, is going, God disappointed me. I, I, I thought he was going to be the Savior, and instead he just died a criminal's death on a cross. And so now his faith is, disapp he's disappointed, and now he's disappointed in God. And so you know that that's weather in his faith. Jesus comes back, and he sees, and he rises from the dead, and he, and he, and he appears before everybody. And so he appears before Peter. And he asks him, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And Peter's going, yes, I do. And you can picture him looking back at that conversation going, I, I understand why you had to ask me three times. And so you know that there's a faith that could be weathered there. Well, here's what happened next. When Jesus ascended into heaven, he put those disciples, that word disciple is just a follower of Jesus. He put those disciples, he says, now I want you to go start the church. And he, he sent them out. And that's why they're called apostles. Apostle is just a, a biblical word for being sent out by Jesus. And so when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you read the Acts of the Apostles, that's the Acts of those people that were sent out by Jesus to start the early church. And Peter started the early church. And so now he's, now he's moving and he's doing and he's, and he's, and he's living out what he believes but he's doing it in a time that's brutally hard. Christians are being martyred all over the place. And then in the heart of all of that, starting up that early church, Nero becomes the, the head of the Roman Empire. Nero, 16-year-old Nero, becomes the head of the Roman Empire, and Nero was horrible. For you Game of Thrones fans, it's Joffrey, but worse. He was, he was horrible. And and. He would do things, he'd gather Christians into his garden and then gather a bunch of other people around and he'd throw meat to the Christians and put the dogs in there to slaughter the Christians, not just murder them, but slaughter them. Nero was doing all of that. Peter was watching his friends being martyred. You don't think he had times in the midst of all that where he's just going, God, where are you? Come on, you could have stopped that. 
In the same way that there were times that I was looking at it going, God, you could have turned that wind just towards the weeds or the beautiful open space. You could have stopped that. And so you know that that can be a weathered faith. And he writes First and Second Peter to the churches. He writes these letters to the churches. Theologians believe that it was written around 60 AD. Nero started in 56. And so now right in the heart of Nero's reign comes these letters that he's writing to people. And in the letters, I mean, he says, he says, you have put up with every kind of aggravation. You're accused of doing wrong, threats and fears through thick and thin. When life gets really difficult, the devil is poised to pounce. You're not the only one plunged into these hard times. Peter's writing all about those things in his first letter. Those are all issues of weathered. And he's looking at his people going, man, I know your faith is feeling weathered. But when you read 1 Peter, you read a real encouragement in it. With each one of those things, Peter starts bringing just some encouragement in, and he's going, I know that feels weather, but let me tell you about season. And this is why he can conclude at 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, one of the first passages I ever memorized, humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Remember we talk about season, that it time, sometimes it takes time? That he'll lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. I know there are seasons where you feel like he doesn't. But let me tell you from firsthand experience, Peter is saying he absolutely does. He cares for you. And he cares for that disillusionment. He cares for the disappointment. He cares in the heart of your, in the heart of your, of your doubt. He cares even when you've been hurt. He cares even when you are the one hurting yourself. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. That, you guys, is, is seeing it as seasoned. That's what Peter was doing. This is why Paul can write in Romans, this is a passage that's so ridiculously abused. But the passage in Romans 8 says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. It's been abused because people take a passage like that and say, see, if you're a Christian, nothing bad will happen to you, which is not at all what Paul's saying. Paul's writing that from prison. So he's not at all saying not, no bad thing's going to happen to you. He's just saying, look, in all things, God, that will become another layer. It will become another thing that will eventually strengthen your faith. Now, I got to walk gently on this part because I am not one to say, see, God had a better plan. You, you have a miscarriage and someone says, well, God had a better plan. That, that, I think all that does is contribute to a weathered faith. But I can say that it becomes another layer. And with each one of those layers, your faith will grow and it will strengthen. And it's going to take time. When I look at, a, when I, dr I drove by this morning, because I drive by it every single day on my way into work, because I still live in Rock Creek and my house is in Rock Creek, and I drive by that debris removed and our whole neighborhood just empty of just flat lots. And I drive by it today and I said, yeah, there's a lot of time in these last seven months that it's felt weathered. But I also know that it's another layer that's built upon other 
positive, negative, hard, great times that develops a faith that is stronger. That's why for any of you guys that are, let's say, let's just pick an arbitrary, any of you guys over 60, and you might feel like you don't have anything left to give, come on, this is your greatest time because that pan has been seasoned. You've gone through things that other people haven't gone through. Maybe you've served in war or you've watched somebody go off in, to, to war or, you've, or you've, you've seen a loved one pass away. You've lost, you've lost a job or you've seen, a, you've seen a, a pay cut that has really affected you. You've seen kids move away, <laughs> like I'm seeing our kids move away. You've seen all that, and that is part of a seasoned pan. And what you get to do with that pan is the great chef is working on that pan. And he gets to use you to help somebody else to see seasoned in the midst of weathered. That's what you get to do. My mentor in my life right now, Don Bachman, 80, he just celebrated his 85th birthday. And man, that man, he has, that pan has been seasoned in his life. He watched his wife, his wife of over 50 years, Dottie, who is a good friend of ours too, gradually die a brutal death of many strokes over a decade of time or more that ended up showing up just like Alzheimer's. And so Dottie, Dottie didn't recognize Don anymore, didn't recognize any of us anymore. And Don walked through all of that in the midst of it. Man, her, his faith, yes, did it weather? Of course. But he also knows that it's seasoned. It's seasoned a pan that gave him a perspective that God is still there and God is still strong and God is still with him and God still cares. And that perspective gets to then be shared with me. And he gets to walk with me when I've lost a lot in this house over these seven months. And he's going, weathered and seasoned, Bill. There's a, there's a quote that I came into, that I came across that says this. The question is, how can you see the divine intersection of all that shapes and marks your existence? Whether it be the heart-wrenching tragedies that wound you or the ecstasies of great delight that brings laughter to your soul. How can you meet God in all of your appointments and your disappointments? How can you recognize that he has a purpose even when all around seems senseless, if not hopeless? Will there be a last gasp that whispers in one word, a conclusion that redefines everything? If so, is it possible to borrow from that word to enrich the now? Can we really see, even a little, the pattern convergence of everything into some grand design? Whew. It's hard to see it at times. But can we see that in all things, God will work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose and it becomes another layer. Another layer that can strengthen our faith. Another layer that can help us to become people that actually can help somebody else strengthen their faith. Now, if you're not there and you're hanging on, just hanging on by a limb and you're barely holding on to this, if that's you, Paul writes, he says, man, perseverance, you know what perseverance does? Perseverance produces in us character. Here are the layers, you guys. Perseverance produces in us character and character produces in us hope. And that hope will not fail us because of the love of Jesus. Those are layers of seasoning that will not fail us in when we feel like 
Our faith might be failing us. That's holding on. That's persevering. I love the end of, of Psalm 40. When I read that part, that, that Psalm that David said about how much he struggles, especially after Bathsheba, listen to what he says, and me, I'm a mess. I got nothing and have nothing. Make something of me. You can do it. You've got what it takes, but God, don't put it off. That's somebody that in the midst of a weathered faith is going, I know you can turn this into something that will make me strong. Will you do that sooner than later? I got this vision in my head, you guys. It's crazy, this weird vision. I picture you standing over a stove with a cast iron skillet, cooking some food. A baby crying in the distance that doesn't, that will not be consoled, just keeps crying. You look over at a table full of bills that haven't been paid and a budget that can't be, that can't be resolved. You're thinking about your spouse that you've disconnected with for days and days and days. And I want you to look down into that pan and see that vegetables being sauteed and just be reminded a layer it's a layer and with each layer comes a care a deep love and care to cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you and the God will work that and he will make you stronger and that you do can't you can't hang in there because that hope will not disappoint you Father, I pray that in this season where some people have really struggled to to step away from weathered or to, to even hold on in the midst of weathered, I pray that you would help us to see that even in the worst of things, it's another layer and another layer and you work them all together my weak faith can be made strong. I pray that you would help us to see that you are at work in the blind moments where we don't feel like you're at work at all. Help us in those moments to see just enough to hold on, knowing that we truly can cast our anxieties on you because you care for us. It's in your name we pray. Amen.